Thank you, Pastor Kevin. He said everything I told him to say. Howdy. Howdy. We have visiting friends from the north and the south and the east and the west. Thank you for coming this morning. Kevin mentioned my age, and I don't mind that at all. I used to count the years. Then I started counting the years and the months. Now I count the years, the months, and the days, and the hours. (laughs) Recently, I have attended memorial services for some great men of God, And I have been deeply impressed with the impact that these men have had on so many people. And the tributes to them were amazing. And I thought, that's what I'm going to do this morning. I am here to pay tribute to our Lord Jesus Christ. The purpose of my message this morning is to honor and pay tribute to him. And I have a text of scripture that very adequately fulfills that. It's Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20, and it's a very special, wonderful, glorious text. You can't find words to describe it. So you make up words. Like some people could say, this text is supercalifragilistic. (laughs) Beyond that, it's expialidocious. Let's get into it. Lord God, be pleased to unfold this text and cause us to believe and to receive here and now to the honor of Christ. Amen. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. Jesus got out of the boat And a man came to him. And I have to stop and say, what's this boat business? What was he doing in a boat? And we back up to the last few verses of chapter 4. 
And we find he was in a boat with his disciples sailing across the Sea of Galilee to get from one side to the other. And as they were out there, a violent, violent storm arose. The wind and the waves were fierce, and the water was filling the boat. And Peter is hollering, man the buckets. What is Jesus doing? He's asleep. He is asleep. And then the disciples come running and saying, Master, do you not care that we perish? They were terrified, but they did the right thing. They came to him. He arose and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Peace, be still. And there was a great calm. He is the Lord of storms. We pay tribute to you this morning, Lord. Because you are the Lord of storms. And we all have storms of one kind or another. We can have financial storms, health issues, relational problems. If you're here this morning, In a stormy season in your life, be encouraged. He's the Lord of your storm. And if he does not remove the storm immediately, he will see you through. He's committed to see you through the storm. Give tribute to him this morning as the Lord of storms. Now this morning, this text is dramatic, very intensive flows through a series of events that we call acts, like in a play, act one, act two. So that's the way we're going to unfold the text this morning. And act one is the Lord of storms. Now we come to act two, where Jesus gets out of the boat and a man comes running to him. And some of your translations will say, comes and worships. That does not really convey what's happening. He doesn't come to worship 
as we do, to love and adore him. He comes terrified in prayer, imploring the Lord not to torment him. And he says, Jesus, Son of the Most High, do not torment me. Amazing. It was a demon speaking through the man. The demon knew Christ and called him the son of the most high. Now we could meditate on that the rest of our lives. The son of the most high. No one above or beyond him. Jesus Christ is the Lord God Almighty Sovereign. The demon knew it, and he spoke through the man who was demon-possessed. So the second act is about the condition of this man. Demon-possessed, But then it goes on in the text to say, he lived in the graveyards. He's a wild man. He's running and leaping, crying out, cutting himself on the sharp rocks. They try to chain him. He breaks the chains. He breaks the shackles. And it says, No man can tame him. It leads us to think of the condition of human beings without Christ, unsaved, under sin nature coming from Adam, This man was helpless and hopeless. And so was every human until someone with power and compassion comes to rescue us and deliver us. And that person is Christ. I pay you tribute, Lord for being powerful over human depravity. The third act is Christ and demons. What will he do? Does he know how to handle this? Does he have the power to help the man? Yes, he does. And he drives the demon 
out of the man. And then the re- then he says to them, "What is your name?" And the demon said, "Legion, for we are many." And the other demons start crying out, "Don't send us out of the country." Send us into that herd of pigs so we can enter them. Jesus commanded the demons to come out of the man and he sent them into the pigs. Christ and demons. Well, we ask, who are the demons? The Bible says they are fallen angels. When Lucifer became Satan and wanted to replace the Lord God, he was cast out of heaven and drew a third of the angels with him, according to the book of Revelation. And it says also that there are thousands upon thousands of angels. And he drew a third of them, so there are Thousands of demons, fallen, evil, cruel, anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-church, anti-Christians, demons, thousands, fallen angels. Now, the question frequently asked, can a Christian be demon-possessed? Can a Christian be demon-possessed? Get ready for a long Complicated answer. Can a Christian be demon-possessed? And the answer is no. N-O, no. It can't be. And I want to give one general answer and five specific answers. The one general answer is that we cannot be possessed by demons because we are possessed by God. Possession means to own, to control to belong, 
We belong to the Lord God. And God takes good care of his property. I just said, God takes good care of his property. Thank you. (laughs) Five specific reasons we cannot be demon-possessed. Now, I suggest you want to have these. These will come into your play many days in your lifetime. They're going to help you when you're down. They're going to help you when you do wrong. And here they are. We belong to God... By election. God has chosen us to belong to him. Ephesians 1. Secondly, we belong to him by a new birth. We are not the same. We now belong to him by a new birth that brings us into spiritual life and brings us into the kingdom of God and that's an eternal relationship that can never change and no one can take us out of that. Thirdly, we belong to him by adoption, Ephesians 1. Amazing blessing that we Sinful human beings are now adopted into the family of God, and God is our Father. We have the same Father as does our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is your heavenly Father this morning. The fourth reason is by redemption. God is not going to let us be possessed by anyone but him because he bought us. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. And the price paid is heaven's most precious 
possession, the Son of God himself, crucified to pay and take the punishment for our sin. God's not going to give us over to demons. He redeemed us. The fifth reason is because of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, the Lord is here this morning. He's in you. He is in you to keep you, to guard you, to protect you, and for us to belong to him. The third act in this drama is Jesus and demons. I pay tribute to the Lord that he is the Lord over the demon world. Now the fourth act in this drama is Jesus and pigs. The demons say, Send us into that herd of pigs feeding over there. And he does. 2,000 pigs. When I was a boy, we raised pigs. But we never had more than four or five, and that was too many. (laughs) Two. Thousand pigs. Well, what will he be able to do with the pigs? He commands them. And they run down the hill into the Sea of Galilee and they are drowned. He has power over the animal world. Now, if you heard something, you heard my talking watch. It just told me it's 11 o'clock. But I don't care. So the, the people who were herding these pigs run into the city and tell them what happened and the people from the city come out to see and they are upset and angry because the pigs are gone. Their income has gone. But more than that, they're thinking... No more bacon and eggs. 
No more ham and eggs. No more pork chops for dinner. They're upset. And then they see the man who was possessed by demons. And here is the fifth act in this drama. A crescendo of victory and joy. They see the man sitting clothed in his right mind. A miracle, a supernatural event in his life. And there are going to be five evidences of conversion Five results of being saved. The man was sitting, changed, before he had been ranting, running and ranting, and now he's sitting. He's sitting physically, but more importantly, he's sitting spiritually. He is at peace. He has peace in his soul. The Lord has converted him. He's different. When the Lord converts you, You can't be the same. We are different people. And if God has saved you, you can have peace in your soul this morning and be sitting here, not just physically, but spiritually. The man is not only sitting, he's clothed, whereas before he was naked. Now, clothing is very important in the Bible, and is very important to the Lord. For instance, Adam and Eve, sin. What does God, what do they do? They clothe themselves with fig leaves. And when I read that, I just cringe. We had two fig trees when I was growing up. And fig leaves are scratchy, itchy, irritating. And to cover your whole body with fig leaves ain't going to cut it. (laughs) The problem was not the physical part. It was they tried on their own with their own works 
to take care of their guilt and sin. And God provided his clothing through the sacrificial blood of an atoning sacrifice pointing to Christ. And now we here as Christians are dressed in his righteousness. And without the proper clothing, no one will go to heaven. That proper clothing required by the Lord is his righteousness given to us. The songwriter gave us this. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. This man was now clothed. And then the text says he was in his right mind. Whereas before he was not coherent, he couldn't think right, nothing was right, he was out of control. Now he's sitting clothed in his right mind. I pay tribute and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ for his power to convert and change. He converted me. And you. Pay tribute to him. Now another evidence of this young man's conversion is this. When Jesus got back in the boat, the man called out to him and said, Lord, Let me go with you. And the Lord Jesus Christ said to him, Go home and tell all that the Lord has done for you and that he has had compassion on you. Go home. Go home. And I believe one of the reasons the Lord said this to that man is because he knew the joy and peace and impact 
that would come to that father and mother of that man who had watched him in this condition perhaps for several years. And when he came home and they saw him delivered, clothed, in his right mind, the joy and the peace and the comfort is beyond description. Go home and tell all that the Lord has done for you. And I'm sure that the most significant, important place to witness is in the home, in the family. Be sure, Christian friend, your testimony is strong at home. He went home to witness, and then the Bible says he was witnessing in his own area called Decapolis. So there you have five evidences of salvation. Five results of conversion. Are they in your life this morning? Do you have what the Bible says happened to this man? Pay tribute to him. I knew about a mother who prayed for a son for many, many years. And before she died, God saved, converted that son. And he went home and said to his mom, Mom, I've been saved. And the family had a big cry of joy together. Give honor and tribute to the Lord Jesus Christ. And now as we move into our communion time, let's bow for prayer. Lord, we bow, we bow to you.
We bow our hearts, our minds, our soul before your holiness, before your sovereign power and wisdom and ability. And thank you for being with us. Our prayer is through the power of the blood of the cross. Amen.